welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers avert disaster at home against the Northwestern Wildcats by eking out a 66-62 victory. It moves the Hoosiers to 12-3. Indiana opened the first half playing pretty well, going up 29-19. That was quickly a race. Northwestern took a lead into halftime and then eventually would push the lead out to 50-40, to a 10-point lead. And it really felt like the season was kind of teetering on the brink. But the Hoosiers were able to muster whatever it took to come back and win ugly. But when they did, and I guess on a night like tonight, that is going to have to be the bottom line. But again, the Hoosiers moved to 12-3 and with a 66-62 victory, ugly as it may have been. We're going to break it all down for you tonight. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Here for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for the banner moment, I'm going back to when it was 50-48, to and Indiana had the ball down on their end of the court. Al Durham shooting a free throw. I believe he made the first one. He missed the second one. And Joey Brunk went all out to get an offensive rebound. Basically, full extension, saved the ball from going out of bounds, saved the possession. Al Durham got the ball, eventually drove in, uh, got fouled, went to the line, you know, knocked down a couple of free throws. Allen the night, 11 of 12 from the free throw line. You know, and at that moment, it was just effort from Indiana. That is what turned this game around when it was 50 to 40, is after 10, 15 minutes of just lackadaisical, unenthusiastic play, Indiana finally dug deep and started playing hard. And as we're going to talk about on, you know, as, as we go through this show, the fact that they got down 10 and played the way they did was bad. And nothing they did after that is really going to erase it and make us feel better. But at least some of the guys, Joey and Al and Trace, even Justin to a certain extent late in the second half, were able to muster what they could just from a grit and fight perspective and say, we're not going to go out like this. And that play by Joey was really indicative of it. He actually had one earlier in the second half. I believe it was on the first or second defensive possession where he dove to try and save a ball. You know, and so Joey, for all of his warts as a player, you know, defensively out there with 12 rebounds, trying to lead as best he can with hustle. And I thought that play was indicative of it. And it was indicative of Al Durham, a guy who was up and down tonight. But when the chips were down, really came out and just kind of dug deep and found that extra gear uh, to get to the line and do the things that he needed to do. And in fact, that play that Brunk made diving out of bounds, it reminded me of the play that uh, Zach McRoberts made last year, where he dove full extension out of bounds to save the possession, which I think Romeo then turned into a bucket in a very, very similar type win at the end uh, that Indiana had last year at home against Northwestern to what they had this year. So, you know, look, we're going to talk about all the reasons why this game is concerning, and it certainly was. But the absolute minimum that Indiana had to do tonight was come out and get the win. And it looked for a long time in the second half like it wasn't going to happen. The guys found a way to win it. And in a lot of ways, it was just because they dug a little deeper, played a little harder, fought a little bit more. And that play by Joey Brunk, uh, to me, was really indicative of that. All right, our banner moment tonight, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, a company that was founded by an IU grad that remains based in Indianapolis and that absolutely positively has earned your business for a number of reasons. Number one, they are great supporters of IU Athletics. They were down at the Gator Bowl supporting the football team. They started because of their love for Indiana. That was the first school that they had gear for. So you've got that. 
But even more important than that, their stuff is just awesome. It's the most comfortable IU gear that you're going to find, whether it's the t-shirts, the long sleeve t-shirts, the crew neck sweatshirts, the hoodies. It's made on this incredibly soft, very comfortable material that maintains its comfort even after you wash it, which, as you know, a lot of gear that you get, that's not the case. But their stuff is truly premium, and they have unique logos that you won't find anywhere else. You've talked about the Bison logo, of course. They've got all the different football-inspired shirts that they released during this past season. I got the, the basketball shoes logo on this crew neck sweater. I absolutely love it. That's my, uh, my newest uh, item. And, of course, we have our assembly call gear there as well, where you can get the script assembly call logo on a hoodie. They have so much stuff there. You need to go check them out. It's homefieldapparel.com. And when you go, use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout. You will get 20% off your entire order. That's ASSEMBLY20 for 20% off your entire order. Go to homefieldapparel.com today. Get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. All right. Well, it is time to find the ball or move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And uh, let's start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on this Indiana victory. Yeah, you can probably had a whole nother set of things to talk about, I guess, before the, uh, the, the things kind of turned around with about 10 minutes left. And I think if you look at a couple of things that happened over the course of those, those final minutes, um, one, I, you turned the ball over just twice over the last 10 minutes. One of those was the bogus offensive foul on trace. So really one legitimate turnover, which was a shot clock violation in the la- inside the last minute, not an ideal time to have it, but after, uh, basically giving the ball away the entire first half and a little bit to start the second half. That was one thing. And IU didn't shoot a three over the last 10 minutes of the game as well. And it probably isn't a coincidence that those things coupled with um, Devontae Green essentially getting benched um, that allowed this team to come back. Because as you said, guys started to play harder, cut harder. Um, that was really a, a huge difference for me in the beginning of the really throughout. But Northwestern was just cutting really hard, just playing noticeably harder than IU and IU kind of got out to that early 10 point lead really led up after that and and then kind of couldn't get back into gear after they were coasting for a while uh, and I thought some of the play from the guys that you talked about Al Durham in particular um, w- was really a guy I think you tweeted this out at, at some point that he was clearly doing what Archie wanted him to do and I think even in the Maryland game he did that to a fault driving into traffic and trying to get fouled and doing whatever but he was he was adamant about doing what Archie wanted to do, and that and that paid off for him. And uh, in terms of how he played, and um, I, I was really, quite frankly, one I was I was happy to see that Archie sat Devonte down. He took a couple really selfish shots in the beginning of the half. Was just jogging through cuts. It was embarrassing to watch, quite frankly. Uh, by the same token, I'm I'm surprised that he put Justin Smith back in because they had a fairly quick but heated exchange, at least with what you saw. Um, and so I don't know the dynamic of their relationship and how those two situations are different, but I, I certainly was at that point in the game clamoring for the same with Justin and, uh, you know, Ryan, Ryan texted us to, cause apparently he needs to interrupt us and tell us what we need to do on the show. even when he's not here about not letting Justin off the hook. And I think that's fair because he played a really poor first half, but somehow whether it was that, that confrontation or whatever it was with Archie, like something fired him up and he came out. A different player and it was kind of an in-game full Justin Smith experience of this guy when he's really locked in and focused and cutting hard and playing hard can be as good as he wants to be and when he's not can be the worst player on the court uh, and we saw all of that within the span of really the second 20 minutes of the game quite frankly um, so 
you, you know, you want to talk yourself into thinking that this is going to be a turning point for this team. I, I um, based on how long they played poorly tonight, I am not quite in that camp quite yet. Um, but if you want to take the glass half full approach, maybe, maybe something changes, maybe holding Devante accountable in the way that Archie did in the way that people had been frustrated with before. Maybe that is a turning point. We, we don't know. Uh, or maybe it's just a team rallied together and found a way to, uh, to stave off what would have been an inexplicable loss. So time will tell uh, on that because it was a, uh, it was an odd game for sure. There's a lot of ground to cover uh, on the show tonight. Coach, it's Don Sony time. What's on your mind? Well, um, obviously happy with the victory um, and, and it moves Indiana to 13 and three and, and, and keeps them alive for the season because uh, the other option was, was going to be really damaging, uh, not only a, a loss, but the way Indiana played. And, and at halftime, I talked about passion and intensity and each one of you have mentioned that the, the last, you know, five, six minutes, whatever the, the, the big run was when it was down, uh, Indiana was down 10 was full of intensity and you can handle mistakes and turnovers uh, from young men if they play hard. And that should be a given, especially at the college level. I, it's a given in our high school program. If we have to ask you to play hard, then you, you shouldn't dress um, for, for the game. And, and unfortunately, those lessons are having to be um, taught uh, with, with the Indiana Hoosiers. And luckily, they found enough juice and enough energy. Um, I'll go to Indiana's women's team. Um, to talk about a program and, and you watch their game the other night and, and you know, who's bringing the juice and they're tweeting out all of this, but they have that chemistry and they're bringing toughness on a, on a by player basis. And that's why the women's team is ranked 12th and, and is a bright spot right now for Indiana university. And the men's team can learn a lot from watching the women's team play. Um, very proud of the fact that they didn't hang their head and let it uh, happen, um, create a loss. But Indiana shouldn't get down 10 after being up 11 or up 10 in the first half. That's a 20-point swing because of casual, lackadaisical play by many players. You saw some players fix it. You had a few players who had it going full bore. So um, not pleased, obviously, with the effort. It's not good, uh, but it is a win. And you got to hope that you can keep building on it and building on it. And and I have some interesting comments later on about you know, coaching and substituting and how that happens and how you got to be, be careful um, and, and put some guys back in and not put some other guys back in. It's just a fine line. I thought Archie did a good job in the last eight minutes when he maybe hasn't done that in previous games, uh, and I thought that might be a key uh, tonight, uh, obviously sitting Devontae. Yeah, you know, this is – like, I don't think anybody's pleased with this, and I think, I think we feel coming out of this game a lot like we felt coming out of the Nebraska win where it's like, whew, okay, we can exhale – we got the win. We did the absolute minimum tonight that we needed to do to avert disaster. But, you know, I had a, a conversation kind of, you know, an ongoing conversation today on Twitter with folks. It's like, okay, you know, we expect to win this game. What needs to happen for us to like feel good coming out of it? You know, feel like something has really changed. You know, and, and Andy, you alluded to something that maybe in hindsight we'll be able to look back on and say, hey, you know, maybe this is where, you know, Archie just stopped taking Devontae's nonsense, the nonsense that he provides at times. And, you know, guys figured out, hey, we got to play like this all the time. And if we see it from here on out, we can look back in hindsight. But I don't, you know, I don't come away from this game feeling feeling real good. And And, and the thing is, you know, just from a reality check perspective, guys, like it doesn't matter if you're facing the 13th or 14th ranked team in the Big Ten, when you only have one guard who's producing, 
you're lucky to win a game like this, you know, and right now that's what Indiana had tonight. You know, you had Al Durham who wasn't good from the field. He was two for seven, but as we said, made up for it by, you know, going 11 for 12 from the free throw line. I thought playing some of his better defense, he had three steals. He was just active and playing hard. Devonte was, you know, a negative tonight. He wasn't just like neutral. He was bad. And it looked to me like he was just out there hunting shots and not even trying to create for anybody else, not playing hard on defense. He was conceding drives the entire first half, and it was just a very dispiriting performance to the point where you wondered why he was out there. It wasn't a coincidence that things turned around, but then your guards are off the bench. You know, Armand Franklin had a couple of nice passes in the first half, had a nice bucket there late, but in 15 minutes, he's only able to give you two points and an assist, and Rob Finnessy continues to you know, just looked nothing like the player that we saw last year. You know, zero points. He had four fouls, three turnovers, and two assists. And with th- that's the production you got from your guards, and you won a Big Ten game. So on the one hand, you know, I look at that, and it's like, wow, it's almost amazing that we won. But my God, you know, this is the, the – you look at this, and you looked at it as the easiest game left on the schedule, home game against Northwestern. Like, it's just, I mean, it's a broken record. We're beating the same drum over and over again. You know Archie's going to say it in his postgame comments, Coach. The guard play has to get better. We squeaked by tonight because, again, Al brought it, and at least one of our guards delivered. We are not going to win literally any more games if we get guard production like this. I don't think that's hyperbole. So something's got to change there. I don't know what it is. Hopefully holding Devontae accountable brings him back around because he looked kind of checked out tonight, you know, but that, I mean, that to me is the biggest lesson coming out of this is our guard issue has not gotten better and it has to, or, you know, this thing's going to spiral. It's a good thing that, you know, again, that we were at home playing Northwestern tonight, credit to the team for winning all of those things. But as you project it forward, that guard play just has to get better. We're running out of time for it to improve. And and it's important that it's better for 40 minutes. Um, you know, if you look at the last six minutes, what you're looking for in guard play, minus the scoring, uh, is what you want. I, I thought Rob looked really good defensively in that last segment. I thought he pushed the pace and threw the ball inside a little bit. Um, Al Durham tonight was really, really good, and he hadn't been good for, for a while. And he made some mistakes. He made some bad decisions on drives and some turnovers. But I will live with that because that's what you need from the guard play is pushing that ball and trying to throw it to your big man in the post. Um, coach, and sometimes- coach, and to your point, you know, if you listen to Archie on the pregame show, he said, well, I want to be aggressive, make mistakes being aggressive, play with an attack mentality. And that's why I didn't have a problem with those turnovers from Al yeah. because he was either trying to get in the lane and get fouled or trying to create for guys. You're going to live with that. You know, e- yeah. uneven is a step up for our guard play, you know, like. And a big key in that stretch was shutting down Northwestern, had gotten hot and gotten up, uh, what was it, 50 to 40, I think. And then uh, Indiana, you know, ties it back up. Um, but I, I thought um, – Rob played okay defense. In the first half, he got lost and got cut on a back cut, and he got driven. Um, but Rob's suffering, um, you know, from the injury and, and, and lack of conditioning and things. And he, he's just – I'm not trying to make an excuse, but he's just not playing 32 minutes like he can. But, boy, in the Nebraska game in overtime, he showed up and helped us win, and he helped us win tonight. And, and as frustrated as we all are, I'm not trying to get rid of that. I'm just trying to find some positives so I don't lose any more hair. Uh, you know, um, it, it, I, I thought L and, and the three guards played really, really well down the stretch. 
And man, can we please see that for more consi- consistency is the word, I think, guys, that we're really looking for. Because yeah. we played 30, 30 minutes in Arkansas. We played 30-some minutes at Notre Dame. We were competitive for uh, – it was an eight-point game for 30 minutes at Maryland. It wasn't good, but it was competitive. These big runs have got to be eliminated, and I think they're tied to the mental approach and the lackadaisical casual play of several players. And that's just got to be eliminated, or it's going to be a long season. Well, fitting that we're almost 17 minutes into this show, and we haven't talked about Trace Jackson Davis yet. Uh, we're like the team. We just forget about him sometimes. But, you know, and Andy, I know you want to talk about the guards, but I do want to talk about Trace in the first segment because, you know, that's a guy whose effort, you know, look, he got lost early in the game on defense. You know, he makes some awareness mistakes, but you don't often see him make mistakes of effort. And tonight, 21.7 boards, had some really key blocks. He played 34 minutes. I mean, he's a guy that just has to be on the court. He was really really good again and obviously a huge you know probably you know probably the most consistent producer that Indiana had tonight and so we can go back to the guards but I want to make sure we, we we don't let the whole first segment go without you know giving trace his due it, yeah the only, the only thing I'll add about the guards before I, I get into trace I, I don't know what it is with fantasy he, he he played well down the stretch of the Nebraska game as well and and I don't know if it's a it's kind of a double-edged sword where they're trying not to play him too much in a row and the conditioning isn't great, but it seems like the longer that he's out there, the better that he actually gets into the rhythm of the game. And it's almost like, should he be starting? I know that was a question I think you guys got um, on the the mailbag this week. And you know, my only thought was, if it's something for him that when he can get like loose in pregame, do you just let him go out there before he sits and tightens up again a little bit on the bench? I don't know, but it seemed to me like the more he played tonight and then that the best stretch he had was the... Uh, was the one down to the end, but he does still have a knack for getting to loose balls and made a couple nice passes. And yeah, he doesn't look quite like himself in a lot of ways, but I, it felt like the more he was out there, the better he was. And and for Al, you know, one of the, the things I texted to you guys about Devontae during the game was like, be a captain, act like you give a blank. And Al was, and it's kind of funny because I think you'd think of Devontae as a senior and the captain, but like Al's a captain too. And he did act like he gave a, you know what? And that really like helped pull them out of it. And like I said, he is like to a fault sometimes, like just careening toward the basket with, but that's kind of what they're being asked to do. And he made 11 out of 12 from the free throw line. So give credit for that. As far as trace goes, uh, they really attempted to establish him pretty early. Uh, the zone made it a bit tougher for him, but when they really worked and didn't just passively throw the ball around the perimeter, it was one of the plays. It was, I think it was Al drove in at the end of the shot clock. They basically had, made no aggressive movement at all during the offensive possession. They passed the ball around the perimeter and with, you know, four seconds left on the shot clock, Al just starts driving to the basket and gets traced for a dunk in the second half. And it was, I thought that was somewhat emblematic of why they struggled against the zone. They just weren't aggressive. Like the zone is going to let you pass the ball around if that's all that you're content to do. And they were very content to do that. Um, but I thought the zone wasn't what took him out of it as much as the way that IU attacked the zone. Um, but yeah, I think just from an effort standpoint, and it, it feels it feels crappy. I almost said something else. Um, but we're live on the radio to, to be. I know I'm doing. A, I'm doing a great job. I I, <laughs> I messed it on the first part of my text, so I uh, I figured I'd keep it this way. But um, you know, it, it's sad that we're we're feel like we're having to like laud guys for just effort and playing hard. But right or wrong, like it stands out on this team right now. Who's really playing hard and who really gives a damn and who doesn't and Trace is a guy that there's never any question about whether he's going to play hard to your point he might make mistakes but they're not going to be because he's being lazy or he's not doing something else and uh, you know I think it was just a matter of they you know he didn't sub Trace or 
Joey, I think he took Brunk out toward the very end for defense when Northwestern went a little bit smaller and he put Armand in for him. But I mean, those guys just played. And to me, that's, you know, ride those guys out. If you've got guys that are doing what you want, we criticize the substitution patterns and all that stuff. And I didn't even want him to take Al out uh, at, at one point around the, you know, five minute mark because he was playing so well. And you, you just got to ride some of the guys that are, are playing hard and, and, and until everybody else can get up to their level. And I think that's what Trace brings is that it's all, it, it's not always the best player on the team who is a guy that you can count on to play, who might also be the guy that plays the hardest on the team. Um, but that with him is definitely the case. And uh, you know, the production is no coincidence when you, you look at how he plays and how focused he is. And it was good to see him get back and shoot better at the free throw line. He'd struggled a little bit uh, from there, but seven out of nine uh, from the line was a, was a good sign from him as well. Yeah. Look, and Archie really shortened the bench in the second half tonight. You know, I mean, you know, some guys got their cameos in the first half, but you know, when it, you know, you had Justin play 34 minutes, Trace play 34, Joey play 30, Al played 28, you know, and, and those are the guys that, that you ran with in the second half. And I know Archie has talked about wanting to play all 11 guys coach. And I think you mentioned this on the halftime report, but at some point, you know, that probably isn't going to work every game and it's probably not a long-term solution. Sometimes you just got to go with the guys that are out there playing with some enthusiasm and into the game. And you could argue, Hey, maybe those guys need a little bit more time to get themselves going but look, this is Big Ten basketball. You know, you got to come in, be ready to play. And as we said, you know, a guy like Justin Smith was kind of up and down throughout the game, and Archie stuck with him, and that paid off. Devontae Green, he pulled the, you know, cut the cord, got him out of the game, and that paid off. And so, you know, for look, for as much as there's a lot of criticism, I think, that can come Archie's way for the reason why his team got down 10 in the first place. But from that point when it did, he made some good decisions in terms of who he trusted and who he didn't. And that you know, we're all pondering and texting each other like, you know, what is going to go on this season? Have, are they tuning him out? Like, what is going on? That at least gives you some faith that, you know, he understands some of these guys, some of these guys, are, you know, if not all of them, who knows, are still bought in. But that it just, you know, it allows you to kind of exhale coming out of it. It's not like a huge positive maybe that you can build on, but at least it at least maybe shows that the worst of what this could have been uh, is, is, is not what it is. I said that very inelegantly, but I think you get what I mean. Coach. Yeah, I just caught up with uh, some of Archie's comments here, sorry, uh, in the postgame that are are just repeating kind of what we're saying about uh, are players playing for themselves or are they playing for their team, basically. And you play for Indiana on on the jersey, uh, that helps you win. Um, And so – It'll be interesting to read all of his comments because it seems like he's going off the rail tonight a little bit, um, which he needs to, um, and we'll bring those to you as as we can. Um, so I'm sorry I was I was kind of spacing out because I'm liking what I'm 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 seeing a little bit. Um, this team this team is not a very talented team, guys. Uh, it needs players to play well in different roles, and it play and and I think it was said maybe on your banner Monday episode, Jared, of uh, we needing inconsistent. Uh, players to play consistent uh, as juniors and seniors, and they're just not doing it. And so they are who they are. And at some point, then you're going to have to go in different directions and and sit people and shorten the bench. And and I said that at halftime. I'm glad Archie listened to me. I, I was wondering if that pipeline was right into the locker room. Um, um, but sometimes as a coach, you just got to sit guys. And, and if they don't buy in, you bury them. And, and I know that sounds harsh, but you bury them until they ask, what what can you do? And you just say, I'm not going to play you until you get it. 
And I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to scream. You're just not going to play. It might be uh, in the guy's best interest. It might be the most compassionate thing you can actually do. Absolutely. You know? just, I mean, and it's hard because if you're in coaching, you're in it for the guys too and building men and doing all those good things. But sometimes building men is you got to tear them down a little bit. Um, and, and, and not, you know, not the name calling or the, or the real derogatory stuff. I'm, I'm not into that, but, uh, accountability. Yes. And it seemed like there's a little bit of accountability to save the day. You dumbass. Nope, not into that at all. Are you? <laughs> all <right. laughs> that was to myself. That's yeah, self-criticism. That's, that that's reflection. That's, that's what some of these players need to do. That they need to look true. in the mirror and have some reflection call themselves that and then get out there and do the right thing <laughs> that is true all right i'm available for consultation <laughs> coming up as we continue our breakdown of indiana's victory over northwestern we'll talk about today's meaningful moments that you might have missed then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes and we'll react to some of these quotes from archie because they're they're pretty interesting if you're listening to the assembly call stick with us What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. You are listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. I am Jared Morse. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. We are breaking down Indiana's 66-62 to squeaker over Northwestern that has all IU fans exhaling and happy, well, relieved that the Hoosiers got a win that they desperately needed or really avoided a loss that they absolutely could not afford, uh, but also concerned about the, the the twisting and turning and winding path uh, that this game took, where, again, Indiana builds a 10-point lead midway through the first half, only to be down 10 midway through the second half as this team just continues to just go through these inexplicable runs throughout games um, that just you know, kind of leave you scratching your head, you know, in terms of meaningful moments. Yeah. You know, and Andy, you kind of talked about this, but you know, there's a, about the 12 minute mark, you know, Justin Smith came out of the game and you know, he, I don't remember exactly what precipitated it, but he just, you know, he just kind of blew by Archie, you know, coming back and Archie was trying to talk to him and Justin turned around, kind of made some very demonstrative movements that to my eye kind of seemed sarcastic, you know, and by the, you could tell by the look on Archie's face that it wasn't anything he was particularly enthused to hear. And then Justin just kind of turned around and walked off. And it just, it struck me as a player and a coach that didn't seem to be very much on the same page and just didn't seem to be particularly interested in what each other were saying. Now, I don't necessarily want to overreact too much to that stuff, coach, because you know, in the heat of the moment, stuff happens between coaches and players. And a lot of times the camera doesn't catch it. It just happened to catch it. But because of the moment and when it was and what was going on in the game, it just seemed like a kind of a perfect metaphor manifestation for what looked like a team and a coach that really were struggling to get on the same page. And yet, you know, a few minutes later, with Indiana down 59 to 54, who was the guy that scored five straight points to tie the game? Justin Smith, by being active on the glass. He ran hard in transition. You know, and, you know, now he gave up the three pointer to Miller Cop that, that, allowed Northwestern to get the lead. It was that kind of night for Justin, you know, a bad play followed by some good plays, but you know, I, I just, that moment kind of stood out to me. I don't know what to make of it. I present it more of as an observation than it meaning something. What I think is more meaningful is what happened after it, 
which is that Justin got more locked into the game for whatever reason. Maybe he got ticked off at his coach, and that's what got him going. Andy, you kind of mentioned that. But he really made some big plays down the stretch. And for a team that is not getting much leadership from its senior class, I don't know what's happening in the locker room. I don't know what's happening in practice. But on the court, in the games, Indiana's getting virtually nothing from its seniors You know, in, in terms of leadership, from Deron Davis, who just isn't playing much, and, and Devontae Green, who's had a couple of good games, but really other than that has struggled. Man, you got to have your junior step up then. And for all the warts that they had, you know, Alan Justin did that. And so, uh, again, you know, after that moment in the second half, I wasn't sure what direction it was going to go for Justin. Happy to see that it went in a positive direction and that he was able to make something of this night where it really looked to be a bad night for him in the beginning, coach. Yeah. Uh, this this team is disconnected from its coach, and, and again, I'll leave, like I said at halftime, I'll leave it up to people to decide. You know, everyone's quick on on us coaches that it's our fault, and sometimes it is. Uh, and, and but sometimes it's the player's personality and, and the player's situation. Uh, looking at some of the post game comments uh, that Coach Miller uh, has about. Justin, sometimes uh, you have interesting people who who are float in and out of intensity, and, and obviously Justin is one of those guys that floats in and out of intensity. And you got to find the right buttons to push. It's not about a bad attitude. It's not about not wanting to do the right things. It's just his personality is to to be. Uh, um, I don't want to say soft. That's that's not the right word, but a little maybe less engaged at times than he needs to. Um, and you got to find the right thing. And I thought maybe that confrontation at 12 minutes uh, got him engaged enough to come back and, and contribute to a win. Uh, but losing that man, uh, he lost a man on a switch earlier. He was not engaged for the most part. Um, and sometimes the best thing you can do, and I love doing this, is you're not playing right. You're not engaged. You sit. When you're ready to go back in, check yourself in. I'll tell you who you're going back in for. And you just, that's again, the bench has to, to be the motivator, but you don't bench him for the whole rest of the game. Now, guys like Devontae, I, I think you do because he's just not buying in. Justin is probably buying in, but he's got to fight his personality. And, and you can't blame a kid. You know, my oldest son was that way. A uh, very nice kid, takes after his mother, uh, obviously, and, and thankfully. But um, when, when he was mad and locked in, he played lights out. And when he wasn't, um, he, he didn't play as hard, and we had to fight his personality. When you cross that black line, Justin Smith, you've got to have be locked in for 40 minutes. You can't you can't disengage. And, and so Coach has to help him, and it sounds like Coach wants to help Justin. So that's a positive sign for me about Justin, and I'm going to be disappointed in his play. In the first half, I sure was, and I've been disappointed most of this last five games with Justin's play. But he just needs to be encouraged um, and maybe held accountable and maybe sat a little longer. But that 12-minute thing was really good. To some people in the chat room talking about they thought Archie should have gone ballistic because it looked like uh, Justin. I'm not sure the sideline is the time to go ballistic. I know we have Coach Knight and all his antics, and we, we, we miss those days. But today's day is a different day. I think the time to go ballistic is, is behind. And obviously, Archie is now thinking it's time to go public. Uh, he's defended his guys over and over and over again and kept the criticism out of the, out of the press conference. And it sounds like he's sure going for it now. Um, so you do it in the press conference when it's necessary, when you can think about and, and measure your words. Uh, you don't want something that's plastered on social media and everything because you're going after a kid physically and getting in his face. Um, th there's an art and a science. I don't know that I have it mastered or even Archie has it mastered, but you got to respect the young man too, and um, even, in, even in tough times. That's just my take. I don't know if that's right. Uh, Andy, let's let's talk about some of these. We don't usually read uh, Coach Miller's quotes on here live during the postgame show, but I think some of these are pretty telling, and they kind of echo some things that we've been talking about. Do you want to hit a few of the highlights here? Yeah, I think I think Coach knocked on, on a couple of the ones about um, 
you know, some guys not playing for the win. So you guys do the same certain things after the fact game in and game out. It deflates you. Um, but about Smith, I'll kind of hit, hit these next. It's interesting. And maybe this is having, it's easy to say this now, but, but, but maybe it's him really having a better pulse on a guy like Justin, whose personality is maybe a little bit different, but he said he had a rough first half. I didn't think he had a bad attitude. I just think he made some mistakes, did a much better job on the offensive glass. It's a big part of the team when he's not playing well or he's impacted by negative plays. He changes the complexion of our team. We count on him. He can impact the game in so many ways. So, I mean, for whatever exchange they had, again, easy to say this now, um, but to come out and say, yeah, he didn't have a bad attitude. He was just, you know, making mistakes and, and do whatever. I think he got taken out not long after he gave up basically where he kind of turned his back and the guy cut from the three-point line to the basket for a layup. I think that was what precipitated him getting taken out, but I, I could be wrong on the time. I think that. you're right. That, Brett in the chat mob, that's what he said that it was. Yeah, and then, right. so the other thing he he talked about was we have to have the guys that are ready to play. Nobody needs to see guys jogging up and down the floor and not playing hard on game day. We need production. We need energy and hustle more than anything else. And then the last thing he said was, I give Al a lot of credit. He played like a leader tonight. So uh, I think there's a lot of... Um, things that are not said that are said with some of these quotes that are directed at uh, Devontae. I mean, I don't need to beat her on the, he might need to beat her on the bush. I don't know that I do. Um, but, but to me saying he played like a leader, certainly some of those initial comments uh, very much felt directed at a guy who you, who you bench for the better part of the second half uh, after. I mean, I would, if, if anybody has a different thought about Devontae, I would encourage you to go watch the first few minutes of the, of the half and watch him on offense, how he cut, um, and jog through cuts and how he played defense. That was a guy that had no, no desire to show up and do anything that his coach was asking him to do, that his team needed him to do. Nothing. So it, it was again, the first look. I'm I'm of coach's mind that I'm not going to give up on a player and I'm not going to give up on a guy as long as he's wearing the Indiana uniform. And I'm the one who proclaimed myself president of the Devontae Green fan club in the off season. I'm not going to give up on him, but. You know, you've also got to hold guys accountable. And so I'm glad Coach benched him. I think it's going to be interesting, Coach and Andy, to see now that Archie has said this stuff, you don't want to see guys jogging, you don't want to see all this stuff. Okay, fine. Now playing time has to be determined because of it, or all these words are meaningless. We saw it some in the second half. So that's a good sign. But, you know, I'm, you know, taking my Devontae Green fan club card out and I'm going to kind of put it on the table until it, I think, until he earns me having that belief again. You know, I'm not you know, not giving up on him, but my goodness, like seniors have to be held to a higher standard. And that was, uh, you know, it, it's to me, it's as egregious as I've seen from him, given the stakes yes. and given the play. Um, I'll go back to, uh, I'm interested. I'm gonna go back and watch the first two or three minutes. I thought he was not, and, and I hate to jump to judgment, but it seemed to me from my perspective that he wasn't interested in playing. Um, and he wasn't interested in the game plan. Uh, he was walking with the ball on offense, just dribbling like, okay, we'll eat time here, uh, not looking into the post. Uh, his body language, whether it was intentional or not, his body language from tip-off to the end of the game was atrocious. And and, and I'm sorry if, if, if people are think that's too, too rough. Um, I'm trying to be nice. Uh, one, we're on the radio. Uh, I have a lot of other words that I could say about about what I thought was poor body language um, from from uh, Devontae. So we'll see. And he might uh, score 30 points on Saturday. You know, like, it, I don't think it would shock anybody. But tonight guy, was, was, was not good. And this just, uh, it's, it's so against me as an educator 
to say this, but you use guys like that. If he's on a night when he's going to get 30, then he gets some run. Uh, if he's going to have bo- bad body language and throw the ball over and take selfish shots, then he sits. Um, and you talk to the guy about yeah. it. When, you're go- when you do things right, you'll play. When you don't do things right, you'll sit. And I'm not going to waste my energy trying to change you until you change yourself. because That's accountability. They, yeah, and, and you, you just have to do that at this point um, with, with the young man because it's obviously you know back to the level of where it had been in previous years. Uh, any other moments that stood out for you guys, Andy, any, any meaningful moments? We haven't talked much about the first half, you know? Yeah, there there was one stretch and that actually wasn't the first half. So might as well, uh, might as well go back to the depths of that. Now, um, there was, there was a stretch and I, I tweeted this out and then I eventually stopped tweeting out of sadness, but, um, in the, they got up by 10, I think it was 29 to 19 and even a couple possessions before I actually, I think it was immediately following that. So, the, the next offensive possessions were Jerome Hunter came in and missed a three. Justin turned the ball over. Al ended up getting a layup. Al missed a three. Duran missed the front end of a one and one. Turnover, 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 missed three, turnover, missed three. You know, one or two from the line. Devontae took a bad shot and missed. Uh, after he had blocked it, block, did a great job, blocked the shot, then came down and tried to go like one on three, one on four, threw up a shot at the basket. You know, missed another free throw, turnover, turnover, missed three. I mean, what you don't see in there at all is any kind of attacking the basket. There's no, I think Trace had one free throw in that sequence, and I think uh, he was one or two from the line. Duran was the one that missed the front end the one and one, and Devontae got a couple free throws that I don't even know at that point because I use in the bonus. It doesn't necessarily mean they were attacking the basket, but that's a lot of, one, it's a lot of turnovers, and it was a lot of threes that they settled for, which is not what they did at the beginning of the game. And even at the beginning of the game, when they made the threes that they did hit, they were all off of going inside first and then kicking it back out and getting good shots minus maybe the one that Jerome Hunter banked in. But, but there was that guy's a, I mean, he is a, a chucker at this point. I don't think there's any other way. To, who is like, the clown who predicted breakout performances for Jerome and Duran tonight? That guy. Uh, I believe it's the head of the Devonte green fan club. I'm not sure, but rough, it could be, uh, could be anybody, but it might be the same me, guy. Man. Rough, rough game for my guys tonight. Yeah, good, good work. Uh, but but it really like I mean that was when the game got away from my not not to mention the fact that they played really poorly defensively in that stretch. And by my count, I had charted it at ten layups or dunks that they gave up in the first half to a team that is not blessed with guys who can really break you down off the triple. Hell, their best player was a guy that had played lacrosse for four years. So. You, you had that where you didn't have the defensive intensity, but you also on offense got away from, you know, as bad as the defense was at the beginning, at least offensively, they got off to a really good start. And I think we're averaging through almost 20 possessions, about a point and a half per possession, which is really, really good. And then just completely abandoned the things that had gotten them the lead and, and continued to play poor defense, which just exaggerated the fact that they had abandoned the things that they had done to get the lead and, and that, to me, was really where the game got away from him. And I, and I quite honestly was surprised after they came out in the beginning of the second half and didn't didn't really improve enough defensively. You didn't feel like the, the path to get back in the game just did not seem to be there because they had abandoned what they wanted to do for so long um, that, that it just seemed implausible that they would turn it back on. I'd show a clip of that lacrosse guy beating half of our guys down the floor, taking one dribble and throwing down a dunk to some of the guys that don't play hard. Or potentially go and see if there are any lacrosse players at IU who might be interested in playing basketball. I mean, th- that's just the epitome of hard and <laughs> oh, playing. Oh, absolutely. Up right there, that kid, Spencer. 
Well, and they talked too about Seth Davis. Um, one of the things he mentioned that was somewhat insightful. Um, I'll let Jared chime in more on this, but um, but he did talk about that. You know, Spencer was a guy who was like supremely confident and and felt that way. And that's the other thing that you see really missing from outside of the hard play. You got a lot of guys who I'm not sure really have a, a great deal of confidence, nor have they done a whole lot in recent games to to give themselves any. But that was a guy who just didn't care about anything. It was just going to come in and. Um, you know, kind of bully everybody, get it, get himself to the basket, do whatever he needed to do. So, uh, I, you could certainly use more of the mindset of a guy like that. That's for sure. By the way, you know, I want to mention this, you know, it, several people in the chat mob have said it and I have it in my notes, you know, when it's 29 to 19, we're ahead. I feel like we all now can see the signs of when things are about to go bad for Indiana. Like you can see it. There's a couple possessions. You can see it start and it's a quick four Oh run. Why doesn't Archie call timeout? Why doesn't he do something to stop it? You know, sometimes it seems like he'll wait until the TV timeout, but there may be four possessions that go there, and that's five more points for the opposition. That 29-19 to 19 lead evaporated like that. There were sloppy turnovers, bad shots, bad decisions. You got to sub guys out. I mean, you know, Coach, you get what you tolerate as a coach, and it just feels like, I mean, Archie might be ranting on the sidelines and yelling at his assistants and chewing gum and taking off his jacket, but where's the timeout? You know, where's doing something to stop it? And I get you want your guys to play through it and all that stuff. But at this point in this game, to me, it just seemed unconscionable that when you see it going wrong in the first half, that you don't do something to stop it. And so all kudos to him for the coaching that happened the final 10 minutes because he guided Indiana to a win that almost looked like it was going to be impossible for them to get. But I felt like that was a time to try to put a stop to it. And nothing happened. Here... Here's a take, right or wrong. Uh, we, we coaches have timeout philosophy built in. Mine was 8-0 runs. I never called a timeout on a 4-0 run um, because I wanted timeouts at the end of the game. Um, and it's a two- or three-possession game at the end, and Indiana had two timeouts left. If you get in trouble on a press, something, you have those timeouts. We even we talked to our kids about where the possession is in timeouts so that if we get a tie ball and the possession's ours, we don't waste a timeout. Um, so there's a lot of strategy in timeouts with that being said, there are times where I broke that just because I thought the momentum needed, needed to be, but my rule was I told an assistant to keep track. Anytime we go on an eight Oh run, I'm calling a timeout. Um, and so, so there might be some of that. And I know people in the chat room, uh, that's the stuff we don't know that goes on in, in the coaching room. Um, and we can argue whether that's right or wrong. Um, but I think it's better to have a philosophy like that and stick to it uh, and talk to your guys about, hey, when you give up a couple baskets, get another job on offense, and you teach through that somewhat. Uh, that, and I'm not trying to defend. Uh, it's fine if you can trust coaches, your team, but, but at this point, I, I I, context, you know, I would throw that out the yep. window. You know, we've seen it happen. I, I maybe would have taken it when it got 29-27, 29-that, you know, the, again, that 8-0 run and, and, and rip into him a little bit. But you're, you're right when uh, your point is well taken. When it's happened four or five games in a row, um, then, then now you might need to break your philosophy and say, hey, yeah. we're not going to let this happen again. Yeah, you're, well, you're, think, you're, up, you're, you're up by 10. You turn it over a couple times. You don't have to rip into them. It's just like, hey, guys, you know, it feels like this is starting to happen. Let's just regroup here, you know, like just something to stop that from happening. Yeah, and I think from from my perspective, um, I, I – I, I, the same thing I, I mentioned it in our in our text. It's like you can't with this team let it get to that point. And the, and hindsight is twenty twenty because then you get there and you got the one user to lose it timeout that IU eventually uses with two seconds left at the end of the half. That's when a good you're point. Trying to, 
get a play. So like, who really cares um, at that stage of it? And, and so much of it seems to be, and I even put some of the substitution stuff into this. Everything's around the media timeout. It's like, well, there's four minutes and something left. So there's going to be a media timeout. And then some of the times that it feels like lineups get, get out of whack is, Oh, we're trying to steal a little bit of extra time before the media timeout. I just, I think that, and maybe that is his philosophy that, Hey, I'm this close to, so to your point, coach, maybe that's what his is compared to what yours was or what others would be. But you know, some point the media timeout isn't going to save you from everything. You don't know when that's going to come. Um, although at the rate at which I use turning the ball over a dead ball seemed potentially imminent, but um, you know, you, you gotta kind of, kind of figure out how to not use those things as a crutch to figure out what you're doing. But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but yeah, in the, in the moment, Everybody in the whole place gets dead quiet because everybody thinks the same thing's happening again. Um, and so easy to kind of project and say, uh, yeah, this is here we go again. You might want to do something about this. Uh, Andy, you're absolutely right about the, the, the lose it or use it. So you might be more uh, likely to use it at some point for momentum. I, I didn't think about it. I'm still stuck in that, in that high school mode. But what, and Andy, you're also right in the lineup construction at times. Uh, causes these runs. I think. I think I would ask Archie to go back and look and see who's on the floor, or maybe not who's on the floor when these runs start. But is someone out of sync? Um, I think you know. You mentioned it with Rob earlier about hey, you got to get in the flow. Sometimes when you're trying to get 11 guys in in the first half, you don't have a flow, and then all of a sudden that creates a run uh, where it might not have been. If you if you built a a 29 set 19 lead and those guys are going well forget the the structured subbing pattern that was predetermined before the game that's my criticism uh, it just seems like and, and I don't want to pick on the on the guy but when Deron Davis comes in there's a run about to happen um and and he just struggles to do some things and and I'm not sure he's locked in uh connected with the coach as well and I, I thought there were a couple players that I am more disappointed with roster construction in the first half and the substitution pattern uh, as a bystander than I am of the timeout. Uh, I want to hit stats here real quick. I think there's some pretty obvious ones that jump out. Indiana won this game because they were able to do the things they want to do, get to the free throw line. Uh, Indiana makes 23 free throws. Uh, Northwestern attempts only 10. That is a formula for victory. The Hoosiers get 15 offensive rebounds. Uh, you know, and, and they made, you know, they were 23 of 30, so they hit 77% of their free throws. That helped them compensate for three for 14 from three point range. And that was after making their first two. So they were one for 12 after that. And the one they made was Jerome Hunter's banked in three pointer. So the three point woes continue. But, in, you know, this is a game Indiana won because they were able to rebound. They got to the free throw line. And I think the one other thing they did tonight is they were a little bit more disruptive defensively with nine steals. And that helped to compensate for the 16 turnovers, helped to compensate uh, for the misses from three because they were able to get some transition buckets. They had 17 fast break points. You know, that's how Archie wants to win. You know, get out in transition, get to the free throw line, get rebounds. You know, that's the formula for better or worse. And they did it tonight to the tune of a four point victory. It was ugly, um, but at least they did it. Last number, Andy, is plus minus. You know, it has its limitations, doesn't often tell the story. Sometimes it does. Indiana starters, Al Durham plus 10, Justin Smith plus 12, Trace Jackson Davis plus four, Joey Brunk plus seven, Devontae Green minus 13. And I think that, that those numbers do tell the story from tonight to me. So that's why I cite them. See you, Andy. 
Yeah, I would I would agree. I noticed that earlier when we were when we were talking about him. I think that you brought up a good point with the steals. And I think if you contrast that with because the turnovers in the game ended up being about even uh, once IU stopped turning it over, but IU had 16, but Northwestern just had four steals. And that just really speaks so much to the quality, lack of quality. Um, I, I don't know which I don't know what you want to say. The kinds of turnovers, I guess, maybe that, that IU was making at that point and just just carelessness, but not really the result of any a defender doing something, taking the ball activity level. It was just silly turnovers, quite frankly, versus casual. IU. I, th- I thought, yeah, casual. That's, casual a, that's a great way to put it. That is a great way to put it. And and so I thought IU extended a little bit of pressure and just made Northwestern work a little bit harder to bring it up. Uh, I thought that led to some of the turnovers. And the fast break points are going to continue to be important. I mean, if this team can't figure out ways to do better, to do more in the half court and struggles to get to the foul line, they're going to need to get 12, 15 fast break points. I feel like just to be able to get, get points without the defense being able to set up because they're just not good enough in the half court right now to do it. doesn't mean they won't be, doesn't mean they can't be, but right now that's a, a pretty severe limitation on, uh, on what they have. And, you know, I talked about the turnovers down the stretch. I think that was, that was important than not taking three pointers or for four in the second half. But like I said, all four of those came in the first 10 minutes before uh, things really turned around. And I think the free throw percentage, uh, as you mentioned, was important for them to really be able to, uh, to get back because it struggled for a few games there. And, and in the beginning of the season, not only was getting to the line of strength, but actually being able to make them was a strength uh, in, in recent games. That wasn't the case either. So Al getting there 12 times uh, goes a long way. And, uh, and, the, the, yeah, those are really the numbers. The plus minus, I noticed, like you said, um, I didn't really have a whole lot else from a, uh, a, a statistical perspective. Coach, any numbers you want to cite before we move on? Coach, I I really liked I really liked Andy's um, comment about the turnovers. Uh, just the sloppy sloppy turnovers are there. I thought the three point shots were nice shots uh, when it was we were three for six. The reason you were three for six is because they were wide open inside out after paint touches. Yep. Uh, and you hear coach talking about it, and it's real. And I know people are are really upset with the coaching. And and you know when Indiana plays bad, the coach is bad. And when Indiana plays great, the coach it's the players who are good. I, I just know that happens, and that's a little bit of the coach coming out. But they were nice threes. Justin hit a three. Um, so. It's about getting the right shots. It's about penetrating, getting paint touches, and that's your guard play. And that, that that's going to be better with Finnessy. That's going to Al was better than he had been in in getting the ball and moving the ball. And that's why Devonte was not very good because the ball stuck. Um, and, and it's just as simple as simple as that. Uh, unbelievable that uh, you shoot. Um, if I'm right, thirty seven percent and win a Big Ten game. Um, that, that's that's just a struggle. Um, the uh, the three-point shooting, too, you, you got to be careful with stats. I, I don't even like what I'm saying because I sound like an excuse maker. But with the shot clock, you got to force up a shot, right? And so a poor kid has the ball with one second left and just flings it at the rim, and he gets an 0 for 1 from 3, and down goes the um, – a lot of the threes that were taken were really bad shots because they had to come at the end of the shot clock. Now, that's bad execution on the offense, um, but shooting sometimes is skewed a little bit with that number. 
I feel like Armand Franklin has become the designated, hey, the shot clock's running down. Let's throw it to this guy because I feel yeah. like at least a couple times a game. Sucker, you're a freshman. Yeah. Carry the, the baggage. One, yeah. I think the one ended up being a shot clock violation or something else happened. Like, I think he didn't even get up a shot or he ended up passing it. But the, I swear at least once yeah. or twice a game. And then we like, always oh, get this... the inevitable text from Ryan afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. What's this guy doing? I was like, well, they just hung him out to dry. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he, there are certainly plays that he made that weren't great, but that was, uh, yeah, some of those were not, not among them. Yes. Okay. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to hand out our game ball. Several uh, options that we could go, I think, with this one. Hit any other lingering storylines from tonight's victory and then look ahead to what's coming up this weekend, another big home game. Then it'll be time for last call. Stick with us on the assembly call. Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you are there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That is text IU to 66866. All right. The Hoosiers defeated Northwestern tonight, sixty-six to sixty-two, to move to twelve and three on the season, two and two in Big Ten play. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. We have been breaking down uh, this victory, guys. It is time for the game balls. A couple different directions, I think, that we could go. Uh, coach, why don't you hit leadoff on this one? I'm going to L. Durham. Um, Sixteen points, eleven of twelve from the free throw line. Uh, four assists to two turnovers, two to one assist to turnover ratio, and more. More than anything, I thought he played with passion. Um, uh, I don't. I, I can't remember a possession where he wasn't going full tilt. Um, and you could just see it when the TV would cut to him, and and he was talking and and bobbing his head and everything. I, I thought he was locked in. He had a tough week last week uh, at Maryland, and a tough week with the ejection. Uh, and what you do, what you like to see as a coach is when a kid has been down and you believe in a kid, you like to see him come back and bounce back. And and very very pleased um, as you know we've been tough on the upperclassmen, and we will continue to be tough on the upperclassmen. I've always thought that Al Durham is the one that really gets Indiana. That he's in the gym all the time. The Hooperazzi tells me he spies him walking in the gym all the time, and I have mad respect for that. Even in even in his down times when we're critical of Al, but Al tonight, congratulations, you get coach's game ball. Andy? Yeah, I'm going to go the same direction. At one point during the second half, I think it was Verdell Jones tweeted out something about who's going to who's going to go out and make a play and and want the ball when uh you know when things are going poorly. I'll try to actually find it. Who's the guy that can just go get a bucket? Need a guy that can settle the squad and stop the bleeding during scoring droughts. And Archie talked about it. We talked about it. What's been lacking a lot with this team is somebody who can pull the team out through leadership, through doing through following the game plan, whatever you want to say. Uh, and that was Al. I mean, he didn't make a shot from the floor in the second half, but he made seven free throws, got to the line eight times, three assists in the second half as well. Three of IU's five over the course of the half, had a steal. Um, and, and I thought more than anything on a team that we've been lamenting the lack of leadership for really ever since Yogi left, quite honestly, um, that was a glimpse of what this team needed no different than any of the other stuff that we talked about that happened over the last 10 minutes. 
it doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot if it doesn't carry over from this game into others. Uh, but I thought when things looked pretty dire, Al was really the one that helped help pull them out. And then guys followed him. They followed his lead with the way that he played and the way he attacked. Um, and, and so I thought it was, uh, I, I thought it was a somewhat clear choice for me to, uh, to give it to him tonight, even as well as trace played. I think those were the two that kind of would warrant legitimate conversation in my view. Yeah. This, you know, this is where the game ball gets interesting because I think trace was the best player, but I think Al was the most important player. And the distinction I make there, I mean, I think you needed both of those guys to win. You're not winning without either one of them. And I think you could throw Justin Smith in there too, but you know, just given the production that Indiana is not getting from its guards, you had to have one guy step up, and Al did that. And so all the things you guys said, you know, playing with passion, being able to step up. He wasn't able to step up and really make shots tonight, you know, two for seven from the field, one of four from downtown. But sometimes you just have to do – you have to find a way, and he found a way with free throws. You know, again, you know, we talked about him being a guy that really seemed to be trying to go out there and do what his coach wanted. And, you know, so to me, he gets the game ball um, for that reason. You know, it's hard not to give it to Trace and feels like, you know, you know, we ran into that with Yogi sometimes where it's like, okay, he was a clear best player, but we're giving the game ball to someone else for this reason. That, you know, so a hat tip to Trace because I think he was Indiana's best player tonight. He, he can just do the most things. He's such a scintillating talent and he plays so hard. And so I would fault nobody for giving it to him. Um, but I, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to Al. Uh, in, in a close call. And, you know, Andy, to your point, you know, we talked about uh, the point that you made in the chat. I talked about Joey Brunk at the very beginning. You know, he, you know, the banner moment was the hustle of Joey Brunk and Al Durham, which I thought helped set the tone. Um, and we probably should talk a little bit more uh, about Joey Brunk. He had five points, 12 boards. It wasn't a big offensive night for him. You know, and I thought defensively he had some moments where he struggled, but it did seem like he was guarding ball screens a little bit differently, dropping his coverage some instead of doing quite as much of the, you know, way out hedging that we had seen. Um, and again, you know, it's he's he's such an imperfect player, and you would probably ideally like him to be your seventh or eighth guy, a guy that comes in off the bench, but this team can't afford to not have him out there. Because he just brings kind of that toughness and grit and is going to get you rebounds and save possessions. And this team needs every ounce of it that they can get. So, you know, I, th- I thought it was another another night where you saw some of Joey's flaws, but all the things that he does bring to the table helped you win a ball game. And that's why Archie brought him in. Yeah, I think he, I feel like he leaves a, a couple points out there a game by, by struggling to finish around the basket at times. Um, but But overall, for a team where, all the the, you know, the quotes that Archie had, you know, we need we need energy and hustle more than anything else. I mean, that's why he gets it, it, that's why he finds his way into the game and he earns his way into the game um, because of those kinds of things. And I think he's another guy with you know demeanor on the sideline and really getting into it. There was even one of the times he went out of the game. You know, he's kind of going down, you know, shaking his fist down the bench at guys and and trying to get people um, in, into the game. So for all the you know, different shortcomings that he might have as a player. Like he's what this team needs in an ideal scenario. Like you said, he wouldn't be there because it makes it hard. It clogs the floor when he and Trace play together, that it's a struggle from a floor spacing perspective. And there's a whole lot of reasons that you'd like to say, I don't need to play this guy 30 plus minutes a game, but in a game like tonight, you needed to. And, and depending upon how Archie's comments about shortening the rotation manifest themselves, you may see more games where he's playing that much, but, I just didn't see a way that you could really afford to take him off the floor as much because he was at least a guy who was giving you energy and, and something when, when other guys weren't. So 
there's there's things he can improve upon and um like to see him like we said finish a little bit stronger around the rim but um you got a game coming up against ohio state with with caleb wesson uh you're for sure going to need him to show up in that game and, and be a big presence on on both ends of the floor there to put pressure on wesson to defend somebody um but also to really make his life a little bit difficult uh defensively as well Andy, you know, you mentioned in our chat, we haven't talked a ton about Demisi and Jerome tonight, and Andy in the chat mob just said the same thing. You know, topic for tomorrow's show, let's talk about shrinking the rotation. Curious your thoughts on, you know, on what it should be, what eight are we staying with? And I agree, maybe we want to touch on that a little bit now, but we can definitely, we you know, AC Radio is coming tomorrow night, so we can definitely talk about that then, too, because that's going to be interesting. I mean, I think Archie made it pretty clear. I'm, I look forward to going and actually watching the postgame press conference, you know, rather than just reading the quotes. But it does sound like he's kind of fed up with things and is ready to shorten it and make some of the drastic changes that when we were down 50 to 40, we're all texting back and forth, hoping happened. <laughs> so, you know, so we'll see what shakes out there. Yeah, the only comment I would I would have about those two is I, I wrote down in the notes that I was taking during the game that I was surprised that Jerome came in the game before Demisi. I think that's one of the first times that's happened potentially all season, certainly in, in recent memory. And Demisi only got two minutes over the course of the game. Uh, Jerome and he just won nine. the gold jersey like two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, it, but Jerome to me is just out hunting shots, and I, you know, somebody needs to tell him he that is. every shot doesn't have to be a three pointer. And there's other ways that he can get involved. We saw that in some of the earlier games where he would go in the post and do some things differently. I, he he just feels very one dimensional to me as an offensive player right now, which I think is selling himself short on what his actual skill set is and what he can bring to the table. And the dimension's uh, not working either. That is also yeah. an issue. Yes. Um, so it, it's interesting to see because I, I do think you can tell yourself a story that, that that feels like an easy place to go to say, if you're going to tighten up the rotation, one of those guys is getting all the minutes that you're giving to both of those, the, the sum total of those guys today. One of those is the the Justin Smith replacement when you need to take him out of the game. And I I guess I'm, I would have answered based on everything that had happened so far during the season, I would have answered Demisi to that question, but it was a little bit interesting at the very least uh, to me tonight that that Jerome was the first guy off the bench, although neither one of them really did uh, anything when they were in the game. Uh, neither scored. Demisi didn't take a shot. Like I said, just played a couple minutes. But uh, Or no, he did take one shot, I believe. But um, There's two ways to shrink the rotation. One, it's the guys who are playing the best in practice and giving you the best chance on game night. And, and then your eighth man, if you're going to shrink it to eight or nine, you play your eighth or ninth man who give you the most potential. And I think that's where Hunter's going to get some run uh, because if he can work out his kinks – I think um, you know his his ceiling is a lot higher, and so you don't want to you don't want to bury uh, um, that kind of, of player. But there are you know it, it's it's tough for me to say, but Duran and Demisi probably are two that are out, and then you flip a coin on Hunter if he's playing well, you play him more minutes, and if if Devante's playing well. He plays more minutes, and and then you know Ryan hired as assistant coach. Race Thompson gets a lot more minutes, um, and and you know there you go. Um, but I do think it needs to shorten, um, and maybe people still play, but the minutes are 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 seriously decreased. But we got to go with hot hands. You know, you build a ten point lead, stay with some sort of rotation, and I, I know like you had to take L out with the five minute mark or something, cause he needed a blow and you need to do that. Um, but let's get these guys right back in and keep the flow, good flow going. Don't, don't break up good chemistry with trying to play too many people. Forget hot hands. We're willing to settle for room temperature hands yes. at this point. I think <laughs> we're, uh, yes, we are. Um, so 
Next up, Indiana plays Ohio State on Saturday. A big game. That Ohio State team has lost three straight games. All of them are, you know, I think, the teams that are top 20 in Ken Palm, so it's not like they have a bad loss in there, but they've lost three straight after a really promising start. Indiana, obviously, two and two, two of the wins at home. Uh, you know, over Nebraska and Northwestern, neither of those teams is the caliber of Ohio State. And I think if Indiana plays like they did against Nebraska or Northwestern, they will lose to Ohio State. I want to lead into this discussion and get your, you know, get a little preview of Ohio State. I think what's going to be so important, you know, we are lauding Al tonight, and he deserves it. He played really, really well tonight. We have seen from Al in the past games like this against teams like Northwestern. You know, some of the some of the bottom dwelling teams in the Big Ten that maybe don't have kind of the big physical athletic presences. He's been able to have these kind of games where he gets to the line and he gets comfortable and he's really enthusiastic. In games against teams more like in Ohio State that play tougher physical defense, he has struggled and can't get himself going. He absolutely has to play in that Ohio State game like he did tonight. You know, and so that to me is the biggest question mark. If he can give you in that game what you got tonight, you've got to, you know, you, you feel good about your chances to win that game at home. And if he doesn't, boy, you're going to have to get some guard production from somebody, you know, whether it's Devontae going nuts like he did in the Big Ten tournament or whatever. Um, but, I, you know, I think a lot rides on Al. And so hopefully now that he's a junior, he can build on this momentum and carry it into the next game as opposed to what we've seen from him in the past. I think that's a fair expectation and 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 something that he could very well do. You know, older, a junior, more mature, knows how much this team is counting on him. It's one of the biggest things I'm going to be watching early in that Ohio State game. Yeah, I mean, they 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 tend to be a pretty physical defensive team. I know, as you mentioned, we've talked about that before, that some of these teams that really get into him uh, have given him some issues in the past. And uh, you'll, you'll see that they've got a, a slew of guards that they'll they'll run at him and be able to defend him with. Um, and, and like you, I, I hope that he's able to carry some of that over uh, outside of that, you know, high state was, I, I think up to, to first in Ken Palm at some point or not more than, not more than a month ago. Uh, but, but have really struggled lately, lost three straight against West Virginia. And that game was in Cleveland, uh, home to Wisconsin and then on the road at Maryland and Maryland kind of kept them. It wasn't like the IU game, but they kind of kept them at arm's length. It felt like for the the majority of that game and their guards have really struggled. It's a little bit, a little bit like IU. They've struggled to shoot the ball um, during that stretch. And that's really been uh, the big issue for them. Um, at least in their last few games, I, I think somebody was rattling. I think one of the college basketball podcasts I listened to was, talking through the stats and it was uh it was pretty ugly i think it was i think it was parish and, and norlander but uh you know we've seen too many times teams that come in not shooting very well get comfortable in a hurry but i i think it the, the start of the game and the energy that IU brings at the beginning of the game becomes really important because you have a team who knows what the level of mental toughness is on ohio state compared to how we would assess ius at this point but for a team that that can't be coming in with a ton of confidence uh, to be able to get out and jump on them early and really make a lot of effort plays uh, w- would be really important for IU. Um, they've been missing uh, Kyle Young. He had an appendectomy. He's been out. He's a good energy guy for them. Maybe he, he may be back by then, so maybe that helps him a little bit. But I think the start of the game, it, it becomes really important for IU in that in that scenario. Can you get the crowd in the game? Can you get yourself some confidence? Can you Can you get Ohio State shaking a little bit early on? And if you can... Um, then you've got to figure out how you you ride that momentum over the course of the game and not let it ebb and flow like what you saw tonight where where they played pretty well, really let up, 
and then had to come back and pull it out because I think if you give a team like Ohio State that's a lot more talented than Northwestern, uh, the kind of cushion and the kind of runway that they gave to Northwestern tonight, you're not going to be able to just turn it back on and come back. But um, yeah, I, I think Al's definitely a guy to watch, it's particularly again the rotation comments. We can all read into that whatever we want. That we'll, we'll see what actually happens uh, come Saturday. But but he feels like a guy that Archie would be willing to ride based on um, just effort and and those kinds of things that he talked about with him. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. But I think a good defensive performance if they can put some pressure on uh, on the guards for Ohio State. Those guys you know, cannot be coming in with a ton of confidence, at least with how they're shooting the ball. And, and Wesson. Uh, obviously presents a, a ton of challenges inside for Joey or Trace or whoever uh, is going to draw that assignment. So be interesting to see if IU doubles him, tries to get the ball out of his hands uh, and what they do. They'll run a lot of pick and pop stuff for him. He's become a lot better three-point shooter. So uh, he presents a ton of challenges from a floor spacing perspective. Interesting uh, that uh, a key piece of Ohio State and Young has been missing when Ohio State goes on a losing streak. And DJ Carton, who's been fabulous as a freshman point guard, has had two or three of his tougher games against two or three of the better opponents. Uh, a lot of the negative stuff that happens uh, sometimes happens to other, other teams. Uh, I'm not trying, again, excuse Indiana play, but um, this Ohio State comes in team comes in struggling, and uh, they're going to be a wounded animal and really – be focused uh, and Indiana needs to just really play one of their better games uh, uh, this Saturday. And if they expect to win. Yeah, we'll have more on that tomorrow uh, on assembly call radio. And then of course we will have the post game show immediately following it uh, on Saturday. You are listening to the assembly call. IU post game show. Remember that because you are a listener of the assembly call, you get 20% off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com. Just use the promo code assembly two zero that's 20% off the whole order, everything in your shopping cart. So if you want a great deal on the most comfortable and unique IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, go to homefieldapparel.com, use that promo code ASSEMBLY20, get 20% off your entire order. All right, guys, it is time for last call. Uh, closing statements on a win that Indiana desperately needed, and they got. <laughs> and, you know, not a whole lot else. Uh, Coach, or Andy, now you're both in the Eastern time zone. Coach, you go first. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'm just going to say, um, fellas, you're either in or you're out, and you're either full in or you're or or you're full out. And and let people know uh, the coaching staff. You don't need to let me know, but um, if you're going to wear the jersey, be full in. Um, and, and if you lose and you dive on the floor and you turn the ball over, but it looks like you're fully engaged and fully in for 40 minutes, the the Indiana Hoosier basketball faithful will love you. Um, uh, you know, there, there have been teams that have had double digit losses that were just revered by this fan base because they played the Indiana way, the right way. And that's what we long for so, so bad. And that's why we have so much passion in the chat room and in, in on Twitter and social media is there's a right way to play. And, and it doesn't take, uh, it shouldn't take a coach. It shouldn't take, um, a group of old men on a on a talk show to get you to play hard. You should love the game of basketball. When you step into Assembly Hall with Indiana on your jersey, there is not about me. It's about the team. And if it is about me, let your coaching staff know, and we'll find someone else to play, and we'll just take the results. Give me team guys over me guys any day of the year. That's my last call. Let's win a few more games, and let's go dancing. I'm not sure it's going to happen. I think it's going to be tougher, Jared, than than we think uh, to dismiss some of that those issues because it's just an inherent in, in some of the guys. 
but it has to happen in order to, and I'm going to try to stay positive and, and regardless, I'm still going to root every, every time we lace them up for Indiana to win. So let, let's get it fixed fellas and stop these, these nasty non-scoring runs and play basketball. Well said, Andy, last call. Yeah, for me, I feel like, I don't know how many times we've, we've said this over the years doing the show of you now are just in this waiting pattern where you see something in the game and then you have to see either how the team reacts to that thing that you saw or something that happened in it. And what, what actually happens next uh, means a whole lot more than what happened tonight. I mean, this was a, you know, you avoided a soul crushing, you know, bid, bid crushing loss in a game like this because you finally turned it on when you needed to. But given the context of what happened within the game with Devante, given uh, the, the flipping the switch or whatever you want to call it that happened when, when guys really started to play harder uh, that allowed them to come back and win the game. None of that really means anything. If the next game you show up and the effort isn't there or the next game you show up and the coach isn't holding guys accountable in the way that he did tonight after everybody had been, clamoring for that for, for so long like it all doesn't mean anything so it, it's tough to say whether this means anything other than you you kick the can down the road a little bit more and then you figure out what happens next it, it's it's really hard to gauge and this team in particular the way they've played over the last couple of years I think makes it even harder than normal to even hazard a guess at, at how they'll react to the situation among the comments that Archie made was he's not really sure where their brains are right now or something like that where he said i think that's um while that's reasonable and i think most fans would agree with that that's a little bit scary to hear the coach say that he you know you're halfway through the season basically you might be exactly halfway through the season at this point uh in in terms of games played and for the coach to not really feel like he has a great read on where his team is and what to expect from them night in and night out is is pretty frightening um, but I also don't think that that's anything that anybody who's watched this team play over the course of the season is surprised by. So now you just kind of figure it out. Like, is this the, is this the turning point or is this just the blip in the radar that stopped the bleeding for a little bit, but, but then everything continued to go downhill. And, and that to me depends on how the players respond. Both, both guys like Devante who got benched and, and the guys who got to really play this out and, and help lead the comeback like Justin Smith. You come back out and you turn the ball over five times again in, this, in the first half against Ohio State. I, I'm not sure this taught anybody anything, but it has the potential, at least, if you want to be optimistic that that maybe this is a turning point and it turns into some of those teams, like Coach said, that they're just going to show up and play hard. And you know that that's a given. And anything else, you just sort out on a night in and night out basis. That's what has to happen if this team wants to uh, wants to make the tournament. So this was a survival win, really. Uh, potential turning point, but uh, I, I think like many others, the jury's still out for me on whether that it will really still be a corner that this team is going to turn. Well said, Andy. I mean, that, that's kind of what I was going to talk about. You know, it's, you look at it, you know, Indiana's 12 and three, you know, you're two and two in the conference, which isn't great, but you're kind of right there in the middle in a conference that you know is going to be topsy turvy. You've got four wins over top 75 competition. And yet why, you know, it feels like we can't fully embrace it, you know? And I, I have a hard time with with games like tonight and kind of stretches of play like this, you know, because you want to enjoy the wins and be able to focus on the glass being half full. But, you know, when you start to look at it and project and say, okay, of what we've seen, what how does this project forward against the schedule that we're going to play? And coach, like you said, it's really fair to look at it and say, okay, the ways that we beat 
Connecticut and that we beat Notre Dame and that we beat Nebraska and that we beat Northwestern, that worked on those nights. It's not going to work when you start playing all top 35, top 40 teams, which is essentially what the rest of the schedule is. And so, you know, I understand why people are feeling down and why people are feeling frustrated. And, you know, I think we try to to be as positive as possible. I want to be as positive as possible, you know, but, you know, Seth Davis, you know, swoops in for his one Assembly Hall game a year and criticizes the IU fans in the arena for not cheering hard. It's like, you know, those fans who are there, those those folks are not the problem. You know, those folks are going out on a weeknight to support this basketball team. They don't have to stand up and cheer lackadaisical basketball that is not cohesive, that isn't you know, that isn't good. Fans also need a reason to cheer. And as soon as they got one, that crowd was ready to go and help carry that team to the finish line. You know, and so I think this fan base, I saw someone, I don't know who it is. I wish I could credit them, but you know, they said the fan base wants to embrace this team. We do, <laughs> you know, like we really, really do. And they give you some flashes where you're like, there it is. Okay, we see it. And then they quickly revert back. And so, you know, I'm really happy that we got this win because we absolutely had to get it. And I absolutely don't feel any more confident after this win that we're any more well-prepared to handle the rigors of the schedule that are coming up. And that's, I was hoping to feel better about it coming out of tonight. But having the coach talk in the post-game press conference about where guys' brains are and you know, how, you know, watching effort be up and down and just some of these basic things that you know you should be able to take for granted, we can't with this team. You know, so look, I can't wait for every game. I can't wait to see how it unfolds. But you know, if you're out there struggling a little bit with how to handle what is a pretty good record and a decent spot to be in at this point, and if you told me that we'd get the production that we got out of this guards, or, or you know that we've gotten out of the guards, I think we all would have taken twelve and three. So if you're struggling with how to, you know, the, 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 you know, wanting to love that and embrace it, but still just having this impending fear of what's around the corner, I get it because I'm right there with you, and I guess we all just have to collectively pull together, and the team has to collectively pull together so that we can get through this on the other side because there's still a good season, a good result for this team. This team can be good. We just need to start seeing it more in games, and frankly, you know, ever since that Florida State game, Indiana's four and three in those seven games, but we haven't seen good, consistent basketball, and that's what we want to see. That is hopefully what we will see, and if we do, this season's going to turn out really good, and this team can do a lot of good things. If not, it's going to be some losses coming up, um, and I just don't think there's any two ways about it. So hopefully this is a turning point. Hopefully the guys learn some important lessons. Hopefully some guys sit on the bench who don't deserve to play, and hopefully that leads to a turnaround and better, more consistent basketball for the rest of the season. All right, that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. A special thanks to Bob Thompson, our longtime listener who produces a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you tomorrow night, Thursday night, for Assembly Call Radio. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Ferrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Can your mom bring some tiramisu? I would like to to drown my frustrations in a nice plate full of tiramisu. <laughs> my my agent says I need to hold out for uh, to get paid by the drop.
Yeah, this is really the part of the show that everybody's waiting for after the other day. Was, yeah, because uh, <laughs> my agent's also the same person I chased around the living room. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the other day it was like mid-afternoon. Now it's like 1030 and everybody's, yeah. everybody's tired. For all you hanger-oners on a chat mob, and it, it wasn't quite successful Saturday afternoon. So. Hey, a lot of, lot of positive coach, comments. Coach took, a, coach took an L. <laughs> By the way, a lot, lot, of, lot of positive comments for your halftime report, Coach. In fact, there were a couple game ball suggestions for your halftime report. That was that was really tough, guys. I mean, normally you want to go through stats and you want to go through, you know, they, they got the ball to the pinch post and you want to talk, you know. And I was like. I don't think anybody was interested gave up in hearing that stuff. a big lead, you know. I wasn't yeah. interested in sharing it, but. I know. I, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I struggle with Thank you, like though. This. Thank you. Yeah. You know, like I had a, a parent message me and say, like, hey, you know, who's on the Assembly Call Twitter account? Why are you being so negative? It's like, it doesn't feel like negativity. It feels like just giving an honest assessment of the play, you know, and I don't know, you know, you can't, you can't sugarcoat it when it's just bad. And it was just, I mean, there's just bad, like really bad basketball for stretches, you know, I mean, inexplicably bad basketball. Guys, I thought Crimson cast was right on um, when they said it's an optics problem because yeah. Indiana is 12 and three and, and the Notre Dame game, they played fabulously to get up 17. I mean, that's fun basketball to watch until yeah. about the what a 10-minute mark, 11-minute mark. And then they're down five. Uh, Arkansas up 11 in the second half. That's good basketball. Um, so that that's the only thing that gives me some, some sliver of rope to hold on to is they've played a lot of good basketball. It's just when it goes bad, it goes bad quick. Yeah, yeah. And it just looks really it, – it just – you know, creates a, just a really bad look. I know it does. Yeah, well, I think you just imme- everybody just immediately reverts to what happened last year, and and not assumes, but I, I think it's just it, it's not too- fair to expect fans to not think about that. You know, like that is the context for this season. It is a dark cloud that hovers over this year, and it's why everybody's so quick to like feel negative. And I, I mean, I, but, I don't but fault I think- anybody for feeling that way. I think that I think the challenge becomes it's not I don't want to say that it's not the the losing because I think at times it is it, although again you step back and you look and it's you know they've only lost three times over the course of the season but I, I think it's the I think it's just the way they're playing and the effort and whatever I think what coach said at the end was spot on like if they yes lost to Maryland by that and you saw the kind of effort that that I think is a reasonable expectation. And and again, not just completely abandoning what you're trying to trying to do. I would like to think that people could live with that a little bit. Yeah, the rope if is it was shorter the best than we it could do. Yeah, the rope is yeah, the rope is shorter than 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 maybe it was in the past. But I, I do think there's an element of it's it's not it's the way they're playing and the lack of passion. What what coach said about the women's team was spot on and it's easy to get excited when you're just steamrolling people i mean i came home the other night we were going to watch after mallory's practice we were like oh the game's on i mean they were up by almost 40 um in the second half so it's easy to get excited and it's easy to have juice and it's easy to have all those things when you're just kicking the living crap out of somebody but but part of that is like they bring that all around like when we went to that game before the the arkansas game like Allie Papberg is fun to watch because she is so into the game and so vocal and so fired up at, for somebody who plays almost the entire game every time, like so fired up for anytime somebody else scores, she's excited. 
anytime good things happen, she's excited. Somebody else comes in off the bench or goes in like she's excited and she's there. And, and like, they have a passion about playing them that makes you want to watch them play more. And I mean, I texted you guys in the middle of the game. Like I hated for a long time, like watching this team play tonight and they finally started to play with a little bit of energy and I hated it a little bit less, but I mean, there's something to be said for just being able to sit down and like watch a team that that is there. And like we went to that, we went to that game, and we've we sat and watched their next game when they played Rutgers on the road, and then we watched a, a good chunk of the Illinois game. Like they make you want to watch them play. They make you want to watch good bas. They play good basketball that makes you excited to watch it. And this team isn't doing that, despite whatever happened over the the latter part of tonight. They did that in stretches, but. I think that's why people get so angry and want to turn on everything else because it's like, it just is, is demoralizing to watch. You just don't see the signs of it, of, of anything good happening. And that's on, at this point, that's on the coaches and the players. But um, yeah, people just want to watch something that, that is enjoyable. That's watching people actually look like they're enjoying what they're doing as well. That is really this well may- said, Andy. This and this goes right with what Andy says. We, we always save our best material for after the actual show is <laughs> yeah. over, so that's really important. Um, this this might sound odd, and we don't necessarily chart this, but but the head coach that I work for and I almost every weekend we try to point out where there was really good bench energy and where there was really good energy and support for teammates, and, and we we cut tape uh, of of kids. It's it's so cool when. When a guy gets, uh, we we had like an extra pass for a layup and an and one on a fast break, and the three guys who are on the perimeter all, uh, you know, threw their fist in the air at the same time, and and it even was one kid who had lost some playing time and lost the starting role as a sophomore. Now he's a senior, lost the starting role. He came in, handled it like a champion, talked to us. We had a tough decision with him. We had a starter who was late, didn't start him. Uh, that accountability piece. The young man banged four threes. He was shooting like, you know, like Armand Franklin's shot percentage. And, and he, he banged four threes, and he's banged four every game since. And he was diving on the floor. So there's this 18-year-old young man's reaction to not getting the playing time he wanted, handling it like a true man, coming in, talking face-to-face with the coach, being prepared, getting his shot, and playing. So that's why, people, I get frustrated. If an 18-year-old guy who's probably going to play his last game ever in basketball, uh, I I don't think he's a college-type kid, who's just doing it right for Western High School. And and, and we got these guys. And and here's something to think about, too, and maybe we can talk about it tomorrow. Christmas time is the scariest time for college coaches because kids go home. And, and, And I don't mean that negatively like mom and dad necessarily, but teammates, old teammates, friends, the whole, you know, who's in your pot? Why aren't you getting some run? Why aren't you getting, why aren't you averaging 20, man? I remember when you were shooting 20 at home. That's why when someone said Jerome wasn't um, dressed at the Arkansas game, I panicked real quick because when I've conversed with college coaches, they're always worried about those two or three days where they fly home because they can't necessarily control who's in their environment and who's putting bugs in their ears. And boy, since that time, Indiana hasn't played well. Uh, and I, and I just wonder, uh, I, I just wonder if that me syndrome has, has seeped into a few, uh, to a few guys and, and, and hurt their level of play because of what they're hearing outside of the, the locker room, because the discontent really seems a lot more real since Christmas. Uh, I don't yeah. remember feeling that way early, even in the Notre Dame run, even in the Wisconsin, I didn't see the Wisconsin game, but, um, this team really seems disconnected from its coach, um. And 
you know, that's just a dangerous time. So I'll throw that out there for whatever that's worth. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, it's just an observation. I mean, that's just what we see. I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the other thing, and this gets back to what you said about the bench stuff and charting the bench. I think that stuff's important. You know, like you need that team wide enthusiasm to help get you through tough moments and to get you through a season. Nobody on this show, probably no one on earth, has defended our seniors and just tried to will them into playing up to their abilities like I have probably on this show. You know, president of the Devontae Green fan club constantly calling for Duran's breakout. You know, I just, I don't know, man. Guys get to be seniors and I believe in them and I want the best for them and I'm just going to go down swinging with them. I got multiple text messages today from people who were at the game talking about how unimpressive their body language on the bench was which is just extraordinarily disappointing from seniors who are supposed to be providing you with leadership and i get it Duran's not playing Devontae got benched but that that kind of stuff's unacceptable because you have to have at a minimum leadership by example from those guys and showing you the kind of attitude that you need and this team's not getting that so very little guard production no senior leadership we're 12 and 3 <laughs> you know like when you paint it like that i mean it you know, it's almost kind of now. I know a lot of those wins were against teams that weren't great, and it's you know so that's part of the reason why. But you know, now we're going to see if this team can come back from it. But man, I mean, that, that's a lot of challenges for a coaching staff to face, and I don't think the coaching staff has met them and handled them like they can. But that's you know, and I think part of the reason why the guards haven't produced is at the feet of the coaches too. So I mean, it all goes together. But that's it's tough to win that way. It's really really tough to win that way. Got some, got a quick bonus material if you guys are have some time. I mean, at this um, point, we're just going to roll this right into Assembly Call Radio. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is on our team board in our locker room. And the guy I work for was a former assistant of mine. Um, and, and he's gone on to now be his, his 10th year as a head coach and my third year of working with him. The guy is really a genius in, 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 in what we do offensively and defensively. And he's really good with the game of teaching men. Um, and I have to give him credit. A lot of stuff I tell you guys you think is for me if I really steal from my head coach and I tell him I'm not giving him credit. But tonight, Mike Lewis, uh, head coach at Western, um, we have this on the team board and we talk about this. We talk about it in practice. We talk about it before a game. We talk about it in a walkthrough. And there's two sides of players. On one side, you're an energy giver or are you an energy taker? Uh, are you worried about team success or me success? Do you compete or do you hide? Are you accountable or do you blame, complain, and defend and make yourself a victim? Uh, are you an overachiever or are you a talent waster? And, and we talk about which, which column are you in, guys? And, and we need all nine of you on the varsity and all 18 in the varsity and JV to be on the left-hand side if we're really going to compete at a high level. Uh, if we have one or two of you on the right side or even portions of the right side, that me is more important, or you hide in big moments, we are going to lose. And, I, and, and I'll give – I know this is an IU thing and not a Western high school thing, but our guys compete. Uh, we don't win every game. We're, we're not super uber talented, but our guys compete. We, we gave up a seven-point lead last Friday, and we were all calm, and we ended up winning the game by five, uh, just, being, just being tough, uh, getting a key rebound, um, getting a key stop. Uh, and that doesn't guarantee you this this nice talk on the whiteboard and all things. doesn't guarantee you success. We play two tough teams this week. But that's the stuff that Archie, I hope, is trying to do. But, again, the players got to receive the message. And if the, if the players shut off messages like that, um, there's really not much you can do than not play, play those guys. Yep. Well said, Coach. That's a good note to end on. Yeah, I appreciate that insight. 
I like you bringing that stuff to the table. We spend a lot of time on on what it means and what high school sports means and how it develops you into a, a true man, and, and, and you're going to face adversity. I'm really proud to be part of a, a program that does that. You know, we're six and four. We'd like to be a lot better than that, but we've lost, a, you know, three Division One kids. And, um, and so uh, I'm really proud of the growth and really proud to work for a man who, who, who does stuff like that. And, and not every decision we make has been right. I mean, come listen to our fans in our stands. You know, we're idiots too. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's important. Um, I mean, players get buckets. You but can't give up on games. kids. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you got to yeah, develop you, people. You got to keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And, and, and sometimes you push the right buttons and sometimes you, you don't. And I, I've been let go of a couple jobs uh, because of school board issues. It's not a fun gig at times, people. Um, I'm being honest, it's just really tough. Um, uh, but you got to keep trying. And, and I think right now stuff like that really has to be the focus. Uh, it's not necessarily the offense or the defense. It's it's the attitude of the guys that need need the adjustment in order to get the most I just imagine the scene from Hoosiers where the whole community is like, you know, gathered together in like a town hall and yeah. coach walks in with his leather jacket. Man, you know? I got some stories. We ought to do coach's <laughs> corner story time, man. We should. <laughs> this last place didn't want me coaching my son. He was going to be a freshman, so I moved him and he became a 1,300 point scorer at the rival school. Popping the collar. He's going to go somewhere else. He's going to score some buckets. Good. <laughs> so, That's funny. Now yeah, it's you, a tough gig. You're, I'll go even further down the spectrum to the third grade team that I coach, but there is nothing more fun to watch when like you get a, get a group of kids out there who's just like playing really hard and don't know any better. Like right. I have the, <laughs> I have a really short team, like really short. We've adapted the uh, Lamar Jackson, no excuses, work harder mantra because we can't make excuses for how short we are. But like the end of one of the games, we were playing the only other team that's like undefeated in our league. They, they beat us. We didn't even score 10 points. But at the end of the game, like I had the four shortest girls that I had and then my daughter in there. And those kids were like just scrapping. It didn't it didn't matter. And I we got we got some steals. I don't think we ever scored during that point of the game. But like they were playing so hard that it was just fun to watch because you knew that they were overmatched and it didn't actually and it did, but it didn't matter because they were like doing as much as they could possibly do. And they came up short. And so what? Like it's easy to be proud of that. And I think that's what people want with the IU team is to be proud of what they're watching. And just too often that that is a stretch uh, at this point. So that's the same thing that you're talking about. Like you can watch your kids do whatever and you might not win you might whatever, but you're like proud of the effort they're giving the way they handle different situations and, and whatever else. I think that's really what it, it boils down to. Like nobody wants to be upset. Nobody wants to watch them turn the ball over. Like you just want to be proud of what they're doing. They gave uh, it everything. They played up to the maximum of their ability. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I love this story too. Someone asked me, got mad at me once when I was a coach. You play favorites. I said, you bet your ass I play favorites. The guy who dives on the floor, blocks out, does what I ask him, he's my favorite. And you're right, he's going to play. So take that to the school board. That's probably why I got fired twice. <laughs> I didn't take any crap from anybody. I didn't play any games. I got I got my ass fired twice, but I don't Take care. That I did to it to the school board. <laughs> I, I, I did it right. Oh man, more drops, more money. Yeah, I'm just fishing for I'm just fishing for cash. I, I write these down on my prep period. I should be planning my my mm -hmm. school plan, but I write down possible drops to get more money. <laughs> Uh, classify them in in the in the regular show after dark pregame 
Will this nice. be on the podcast? Yes, this will be on the podcast. Absolutely. All right. We I think we've done on the podcast. I, we've done. Enough I think damage we've. Here. I think we've done enough damage for tonight. Take it to the school board. <laughs> Take it to the school board. <laughs> we, that's home field. Coach apparel. stays. I stay. If coach goes. I go. <laughs> home field apparel's next assembly call shirt just needs to be taken to the school board. We <laughs> uh, do. We need to get a shirt with just all of all of coach's drops and then all of Ryan's drops. You and I have mostly been spared, Andy. Mine's really just swearing, so you can't necessarily put that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The San ultimate, Diego chicken. The ultimate mixtape for me is just a, a cut up of me swearing. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's I, awesome. I, I'm going to say it to the chat, Bob. This will be the last thing. Here's a drop. I put the ass in assembly. <laughs> This guy, you got to know your role, man. God dang, man. Know I have, your role. I have, I have real work I have to do tomorrow. Now I got to go chop up all these drops from the end of the show. <laughs> know your role and then do it with passion. <laughs> Sally Henderson, like. you guys are a mess tonight. You know. <laughs> man, we got, we got the win. Anything we've got, done has been, was better than the middle 20 minutes of that basketball game. So They got to start playing better because I can't keep this up, man. I, I'm t- my, my back is kind of carrying the, the happy vibe, <laughs> making jokes, being stupid. It's get, getting heavy. <sighs> oh, that's great. Hunchback right. of assembly call before too long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. See? All right. That's it. All right. We'll talk again tomorrow. Stand myself. Yeah. Say, that's save it. some We're for tomorrow, No coach. more questions. <laughs> yeah, you, guys, you guys are doing tomorrow with the Ryan. Oh, Andy and I? Who's yeah. hosting? One of you two. Well, Andy's. Andy's. We we were holding off on Andy because we weren't sure if his setup was working. But I didn't have like working. weird audio issues, so I can I can plan to, and then nice. I'll try to get in early enough to uh, make sure that I'm not having any other kind of strange issues with all yeah, the I mean, software I and things like that. Like doing the run sheet shouldn't be that hard because the entire first segment is going to be Ryan ranting for 15 minutes. So you guys don't need to do anything there. And then second segment will be let's talk about the rotation. I mean. I think essentially, you know, responding to Archie's comments and what they might actually mean going forward. That's probably the best. And we'll get some questions, but yeah. Anyway, we can talk about that via email. Sounds good. Sending right. you guys something in the in the, this chat here real quick. Read it before you get out. Okay. A lot of suspense. Well, I, I just mm. need to put it in the chat. Good. Mm. Yeah. Uh, a lot of serious. I better just. Be, I'm going. See it. All right. <laughs> Tonsoni out. Here I come, Mrs. Tonsoni. <laughs> oh wait, where? Hang on, I have I have that drop. Chasing her wife around the living room or something. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, All right, you were a well, tool last game, and now you're an ass. <laughs> People can come at me. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. All right. <laughs> Stop it. All right, All right, I'm done. I'm done. Right. Go to bed. See you tomorrow. Right, we'll see you. Bye. <laughs> Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. America's beverage companies are working together to reduce plastic waste in our environment. Not all plastic is the same. At the Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo, our bottles are made to be remade. We're carefully designing them to be 100% recyclable, including the caps. And we're investing in community recycling improvements so that every bottle we get back can be used to make new bottles. 
That completes the circle and reduces plastic waste. Please help us get every bottle back. Learn more at everybottleback.org. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.